0: Hi, welcome to the Meg Pearson podcast, Fertile at 40. I'm your host, Meg Pearson. After many health complications due to alcohol addiction and an eating disorder that ruled my world for close to 20 years, I was told I would never have children. At 38, I naturally and surprisingly fell pregnant and the transition from maiden to mother was wrought with love, grief, excitement, and healing. Becoming a mama was about far more than just soothing stitches and learning how to care for a tiny human. It was, and still is, a relearning of who I am and what I am truly capable of. After over two challenging years trying to conceive a second baby since, I gratefully and naturally conceived my second child just as I turned 41, after three losses and heaps of heartache. I am a doula in training, holistic chef, teacher of yoga, and a childbirth educator, and I am here to share my story, because I know it's not just mine. Join me each week for unbiased convos with a no bullshit approach to faith in fertility, conscious conception, and connected pregnancy. With birth stories, expert interviews, and personal anecdotes to help tell the story of creation. Welcome. Now let's do this. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Fertile at 40. I'm your host, Meg Pearson. I am thrilled to be here once again with you guys today. Before I get into today's guest conversation, I wanted to just fill all of you guys in about where we're at with our pregnancy with baby number two. So a couple of weeks ago, I did announce um, that we are in fact having a baby boy. His name is Ozzy Taryn. We're super, super stoked. This past week, we actually picked up a bunch of baby stuff, a bassinet, um, a bouncing chair, all you know, all of that stuff that I was planning on buying. a, a local mother was uh, was looking to get rid of um, all of this stuff is relatively new, so I was excited to be able to reuse that stuff and, and and give it a new home and and Kobe has also been getting into all of the baby gear, of course, has been trying to curl up her, her not so tiny body into the little dock tot we got is among among other things. But the big news in Kobe's world is we have just, as of a couple of weeks ago, March 1st actually, um, we transitioned her out of her crib, which was something that I have been having a lot of anxiety over, but something that I knew I wanted to do with a lot of time. Um, and space prior to when baby Ozzy was born, because I did not want there to be any confusion come time that Ozzy starts using the crib. Um, I didn't want Ozzy, uh Kobe to get upset. So what we've done is we've successfully, so far anyways, transitioned Kobe out of her crib um, onto a floor bed, uh, Montessori style floor bed, was essentially is just a mattress on the floor. And it was funny, the very first day I picked up the mattress, at, I picked it up at 4 p.m. And by 6.30 p.m. that night, Kobe decided she wanted to sleep in there. And we put her down, we tucked her in, and she stayed in bed on her mattress until 6 a.m. the next morning. And then she got up and picked up some toys and played in her bedroom until we went and got her at 7 a.m., so I will be. I'm going to be talking a lot more about what we did with Kobe to get her really in. Just she's got really great sleep hygiene, really great sleep habits. Sleeps through the night, and and I'm going to talk more about that in a future episode where I have some sleep guests, sleep experts on the show. But wanted to share that amazing information. And also, um, we are just moving into at the time of this episode going live week, the end of week 21. So our little baby Ozzy is about the size of a cantaloupe at this point. About um, 10 and a half, 11 inches in length already from crown to heel, which is crazy. So we have just crossed over the halfway mark with this pregnancy. I can't even believe it. It's been flying by. And... I'm um, super, super, super excited to be welcoming once again an amazing, amazing guest to the show. Her name is Christina Bruce. If that name sounds familiar. Yes, she has been on the show before. She was on way back episode 17, where we with with an episode titled "Body Acceptance and the Weight Loss Lie," where we talk a lot about body acceptance, obviously. Um, and Christina's amazing personal journey and why she has such a mission um, in in the world to bring body acceptance to the forefront um, of our our society. She's a certified body trust provider and integrative life coach and amazing. But she is also a first-time mother. So she's based in Toronto, Canada, and she recently gave birth to her first child at age 40. So absolutely fitting for the Fertile at 40 podcast. And today on the, on the show, we're going to talk about not only what conception was like for her and her partner, and spoiler, it was easy, but we also discussed what pregnancy was like, um, as well as how her envisioned home birth played out nearly exactly as planned. So this is a really good feel-good episode, right? Now, at the time of recording, Christina was five months postpartum with her daughter, and we also discussed the emotional struggles, 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 that go with recovering from her birth experience, as well as why some ideas about fertility, pregnancy, and birth after 40 need to be let go of. And that is what this whole podcast is about. So without further ado, we're going to get into this episode with Christina Bruce. One last thing before we get into the conversation, I want to remind you that this podcast provides general information and discussion about natural medicine, health, pregnancy, and childbirth related subjects. The content here should not be taken as medical advice, and the content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult with your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Now, on with the show! All right, Christina. I'm so excited to have you back here on the show with its new brand and new name. Welcome to the Fertile at 40 Podcast. Yay! Thanks, Meg. So good to see you. So good to chat. We've been already talking for about a half an hour offline. Oh, so much to catch up on. And as you are in the the depths of the the beginnings still of this postpartum reality that can, you know, for me goes on for years. I do believe. Um, and I'm and I, and I I'm so excited to hear about your birth story. I purposely haven't m- asked you much about it until today because I want to hear about it in all of its glory here on the podcast. So <laughs> why don't you first tell us, Christina, where you're at, where you live and your daughter, how old is your daughter and, and all of that good stuff? Yeah, so
1: I'm located in Toronto, Canada, and uh, my daughter is soon to be five months old. Mm. So um, yeah. So five months into first, first time mom. So first time mom at 40. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been an interesting transition.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I love, I love that this, that this is who you are. First time mom at 40. This is the big focus of the show because this is a, a bigger and bigger, big and bigger, Collection of the community of the world are, are are waiting to a little bit later in life to have to have their first children and and I and I love that we get to talk about this and and I'm going to get right into it. When you found out you were pregnant, did you know what kind of birth experience, or did you have a birth plan in mind?
1: Yes. That was a big yes. (laughs) Um, So you were talking about even how more and more people are waiting later to get pregnant. And and that was me. I, for the longest time, wasn't sure if I wanted a child and I was pretty 50-50 about it for a long time. And I kind of, you know, obviously one factor being I wasn't with somebody that I wanted to have a kid with. So I didn't get married until I was 38, not like that means that you can't have a kid. But for me, that was the route that I wanted to go. I wasn't going to have a child if I wasn't married. That was just my own um, personal feeling about it. I didn't know. I didn't want to get bad enough to, uh, you know. So so I knew that that would um, play a factor. In, so that played a factor in me getting pregnant later. And I just started to notice that I was gravitating more and more to thinking about having a child now that I was with somebody that I loved and wanted to have a, have a child with. Um, but i had always known if I was going to have a child that I wanted it to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was in university, it actually started when I was in university years ago. I had taken a course called the History of Birth. And it really opened my eyes to kind of how we sort of got to the way that birth is predominantly happening today uh, with essentially being a a medical event and it happening mainly in hospitals. And for me personally, um, I was just like, nope. Nope. Don't, don't want to go that route. That, that, that just was not my feeling. I, and I'm going to be just honest because I know everybody has their own feelings and experiences. And it's of course caveats always that it's never to um, negate or judge anybody who chooses to to do a hospital birth. But I just knew for me um, that it felt, it felt disempowering to me. Um, It felt like that I would have more taken away from me, I wanted to be more in control of my birth, or at least to feel like I had more control over the experience. And I knew that if I was going to go in the hospital, that I'd be running the risk of uh, losing some of that uh, autonomy over my birth experience. So for me, I knew I wanted to have the birth out of hospital. Uh, Lucky being in a big city that I had like, I live literally a five minute drive from a hospital. So I all, it was, I knew that I was completely, I felt completely safe having it out of hospital because if there was an emergency, I was just down the street from a hospital. So that was of course another big factor for me that helped. Um, But yeah, I, I'd I'd actually thought I wanted to have it at a birth center. So there's a a birth center in Toronto called the Toronto birth center that is set up for, you know, with all the things like the tub and the shower and the balls and the whatever, all the props. And I thought that that's where I wanted to have it. I liked the idea of it. It wasn't until I looked into it closer and while I was already pregnant um, that the you could only transfer there when you were in active labor, like four minutes apart. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, hmm, I don't I don't know if I want to be in labor or in a car. So because I'd be going across the city. So I opted at that point then to have a home birth. And I live in an apartment, it's, it's in a house. So it's a small, it's a house, but there's a a few apartments and we all, which is nice because all the neighbors, like we know each other. And I felt like, do I really want the whole house to be involved in my birth experience? (laughs) Because I was afraid of them, you know, hearing things. Um, but in the end I decided, no, I'm just going to have it at home. I think that's where we need, where we need to go with it. So that was, that was the plan and that was the vision.
0: Amazing. So how was your pregnancy? How did you, how did you, how was your pregnancy? How did you feel was as a, as a 40 year old woman, I think it's a, it's a, it's an important question to ask because people are always asking me, how is it different at 41 to 38? I'm like, well, I'm tired because I have a toddler. And at 38, yes. it was probably <laughs> a lot different than had it been at 28, you know? And, and so yeah. people are curious if, if, especially those. that Yeah. Are too.
1: And of course, like I have nothing to compare it to, right? This was my my only experience. So it was overall, it was good. Um the first, you know, I had a, a couple weeks of of nausea that was was not fun. You know, that that first trimester period where I just like literally couldn't eat anything, but all I wanted was like pasta and butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just felt like I felt like a toddler. Like <laughs> it just I couldn't, we we'd get these um at the time we were doing these like meal kit things where we would get the shipment of meal kits and we'd make these. And I just, I couldn't like, the meals would come. And I'm like, Nope, <laughs> like I cannot eat it. So aside from that first, you know, few weeks of intense nausea and tiredness, like, which I felt was a lot of the nausea. Like I would go to bed and I'd sleep for like 12 hours. And I was really lucky because I was this was of course during pandemic so I was working from home so I was able to um to take that time. Now that being said, I think being able to work from home made a huge difference in how I felt during my pregnancy because I wasn't commuting to work, to, you know, 2 hours a day taking public transit, which is what I was doing before. Yeah. Um so I could take breaks throughout the day to work which was absolutely necessary. So I think like, again, that made it, I think a huge difference. I think my pregnancy would have been a completely different experience if I was working at a regular job. So in addition to that, I was always making sure that, uh, you know, prior to getting pregnant, I went to see a naturopath to help me kind of prepare my body for pregnancy. So I started up on supplements and that kind of stuff like three months in advance. So I was taking all of those throughout pregnancy. Um, I was also meditating twice a day. So I've been like a meditator for five years. And so that was important because it's I I practice transcendental meditation or TM for short. And it's a very restful meditation. So I found that um, that was really helpful. And I kept up with my working out. So I was doing prenatal workouts all like all the way up until actually giving birth pretty much i just did them appropriate to the stage that i was at mm-hmm. and so i think all of those things contributed to me feeling good in my pregnancy it really was just you know the beginning and then of course the very end like mm-hmm. the last week or two that I was just you know getting to the point where I'm like okay <laughs> mm-hmm. so like I'm kind of done with this now. <laughs> I'm feeling a little like you know you just every time I'd move over and turn over in bed at night I'd wake up and it was like a whole effort thing. Yeah. So <laughs> um but yeah I felt very very lucky and I just kept thanking my my lucky stars every day in that pregnancy that I was able to work from home because that made a huge
0: difference. Yeah of course of course Beautiful. Well, let's talk about the big day—the birth, <laughs> birth of your daughter—and I mean, as we were discussing before we hit record, the the rebirth of you, right? Maybe a little bit of yeah. death of you as—and I mean, yes. that's gonna be a whole other to- a whole other topic for another whole, whole other episode. <laughs> this whole sense, this shift, this made into mother, this—who the hell am I now? What's my mission in life um, other than yeah. this baby? We could talk for hours on that topic alone, but this is your birth story, so we got to stay on track. And so, when was when was your daughter born? And and what did what did labor and delivery look like for you? Yeah, so she was born on
1: September eighth at three forty nine in the morning. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it, in the middle of a thunderstorm, oh. which was super cool. Uh, my doula was saying, and I saw lightning was happening when she was coming out. And I'm like, it felt like lightning. <laughs> it was like very appropriate.
0: <laughs> so, a little ring of fire, a little bit a little of fire. Little ring
1: of fire. Um, so the, yeah. So how it started was I had again, like kind of, thankfully I had decided that I was gonna, I, I had set my date for maternity leave like, let's see, my due date was, my due date was actually September 11th. And I, and I would think I had set my mat leave to be on like September 3rd, but then a week before, but then I was just kind of like, you know what, Mm, let's just make it a little bit earlier. So I took a week earlier and I'm glad that I did because it just gave me that time to kind of decompress because she did come, she did come a little early September 8th. And during that time I was able to just Um, you know, focus on relaxing, kind of preparing, doing yoga and leading up to it. I remember I started doing these little yoga classes to like help induce labor. I think I started them like three days before because, so part of it was actually why I was, I was nervous. I wanted to go early because as we know, when you're 40, they treat your pregnancy, you know, like, well, like that, there's all these all these issues that could happen when you're old or geriatric pregnancy, and so I remember my midwife telling me that um, she they wasn't like a week. They treated you like you were either a week or two later than what your due date actually is. So it's like, oh, if you're yeah, if you're 38 weeks pregnant, we treat you like you're 40 weeks pregnant or something like that. Yeah. So I had started going for more ultrasounds. And and so I really wanted to go early because I really wanted to avoid having to go to the hospital for induction. I I really didn't want to be induced. So, um, so I prior to that. So yes, I had um, had went with midwives and I also got a doula. So I prepped myself that way. So Leading up to it, I was doing this like yoga to help induce labor and hoping it would work. And uh, the night before, I couldn't sleep. Um, I have this like thing and it's a whole other thing. I don't know. I call it like sparky legs. I don't know if it's a circulation thing, but I sometimes... I mean, it's a whole other story. I'm like, anybody knows I'm going to help me out with this, but it's like, <laughs> I get this like sensation in my legs that are really annoying and I was sleep trying to sleep. And that's what was happening, which was really odd because it like never usually happens at night. And, and I was just like, Oh my God, like, this is just so uncomfortable that I had to get up out of bed. I went to the couch. I was like up for a couple hours I was just so tired, but I couldn't sleep because these, these sparky legs were happening and I was just so uncomfortable. So I think I ended up trying to sleep on the couch and I maybe got like an hour or two of sleep or something. I was so tired. And so then the next day I was, again, just exhausted because I had slept. Like, and then I was just lying on the couch and I was like, all right, I'm going to just watch some like trash TV. So I was watching like episodes of Geordie Shore, like old school Geordie Shore. I was like, I don't care. I just, I'm tired. I'm, uh, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I felt like my water break. It was just oh. like a little like trickle of water. And I was like, oh, oh, well, well, I think... I think my water just broke. And so I, I went to my husband I was like, yeah, so pretty sure my water just broke. And he's like, Oh gosh, really? And so he was working from home too. And um, I'm like, all right. And, I remember my sister telling me that because I was asking her about her experience and like, what was it like? And she said, oh, it was kind of just like a trickle of water and it would come every once in a while. And that's what it was like for me as opposed to, you know, the movie like gush Mm -hmm. of water. So I had had some of them getting into like TMI but I had some of those like depends like ready for postpartum so I threw some of those on because I was like I think I'm gonna need this which was very helpful because that's what ended up happening like every once in a while like little water would come out and (laughs) I'll tell you what I did I was so like again just not wanting like so just like not wanting to go to the hospital for induction that I was worried that if I if I went too long that they would send me to the hospital. So I was like, I'm not calling the midwives yet. I'm buying myself a couple hours. Oh,
0: I, I get it. I get it. <laughs>
1: Cause the, yeah. Cause the midwives are like, call when your water breaks. It's like, I didn't want to start that too soon because I'd also heard, you know, it could take a really long time and your first labor. So I called them like two hours later to tell them that my water broke. And, you know, it was like, okay, well, just you know, the direction is just keep us posted when, when you're, I think it was like four, four minutes apart was when they said to call them. Like, yeah, it was when you were four minutes apart. So quite into like active labor. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think I ended up doing again, another like yoga to speed along things and just kind of, and were you feeling any contractions at this point
0: or was it just No, no no. no, no. No, okay. no, no. Not
1: at this point. Not at this point. Just the water breaking and so I was just kind of like, all right, I'll do a bit of yoga and I'll just kind of hang around. And that was at my water broke at 2:30 in the afternoon. So to give context and So we had also um, rented an inflatable tub Mm -hmm. to have uh, in the room. So we had to start moving some furniture around to like, we didn't even think about it. We're in a second floor apartment. We were telling our landlady and she's like, oh, you're going to need to find a spot where the weight of the water like won't impact the floor. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Like The last thing you want is the the floor to break and you come through the ceiling or something. Like, I don't know. So we like found the like most structurally secure part of the apartment and move furniture and clear things out. And my husband then, you know, inflated the, started the process of setting up the tub and everything. And, and then that's when again, the rainstorm started. So it was in the evening, by this point it was the evening, like, I want to say maybe around 7 PM and the rain started and they're like, okay, just, you know, that's, and that's when contraction started. So that's when, I started just feeling like mild cramping, like, kind of like I'm getting a period right and so I was like okay I guess this is happening this is what you know it's feeling like and and I spoke with my doula and I was texting her the whole time and she's like try to get rest like everybody's like try to rest try to sleep and all I kept thinking I was like how like how am I supposed to sleep right now like not only is it exciting there's this anticipation but when I feel these mild contractions like I can't I can't really fall asleep if I have cramps but I did my best to lie down on the couch. And, um, and then they just started getting stronger. So they, they, and they, and I think the thing that I remember getting a little bit pissed about was I was like, I thought that I was supposed to like, that they would come and they would go. But for me, there was always this kind of sub level of mm-hmm. cramping, like I just always felt this cramping. And so I was like, okay, well, that's annoying, but whatever. <laughs> so I would, um, I had a a ball, like a yoga ball or birthing ball. So I would kind of, I found that helpful to sort of like bounce on that a little bit and just kind of move around on that in between contractions, then they just started getting stronger and I would start to need to like walk around a bit more. And I didn't quite know when to call my doula because I remember like, I remember in my head thinking like, she's like, you get me for 12 hours. And I was like, okay, well, I want to like maximize the 12 hours. Like, I don't know when to, to call mm-hmm. you. And she's like, just I'll come whenever, like, just call me when you feel it. And so they started to get stronger and stronger. And there was one point where I was like leaning off of my husband and these contractions went on my head. He timed it. It was like for seven minutes. Wow. It was like, it just went on. And I was like, after that one, I should call the doula now yeah. <laughs> I was like, get her over here. Cause at that point I was. And so we think that that was like when that was when things just kind of really started ramping up to a different level. And then she came over and she was like okay why don't we get into the tub so at that point then we got into the tub and they just kept getting like stronger and stronger and at one point it i guess like i it felt like i was pushing you know but i like i remember the whole time i remember the whole time I thought that this was supposed to go on for like 24 hours or like 36 hours. So the whole thing was 13 hours to give context. So Mm -hmm. from water breaking to birth, it was six, 13 hours. And I just kept thinking, well, if this is early, how the hell am I going to manage later? Because I'm like, I must be a real wimp because I am finding this challenging. (laughs) Well, I didn't know that this whole time it's like, actually, I was a lot further along than I thought. I was like, I kept thinking I was in the early stage, but really I was like transitioning pretty quickly into active labor. When I was in the time, I was definitely in active labor and the sensation of pushing like i felt like i just needed to push kept coming up but i didn't think i was supposed to push and the doula was just like breathe breathe and i'm like but i'm finding it really hard to breathe like i just <laughs> i almost like couldn't speak at that point during those contractions and then she was getting worried, like, oh, shoot, like, maybe this baby's coming, right? Because it was, it kind of transitioned really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, call the midwife, like, kind of mouthed it, apparently, strictly to my husband, but was like, all calm in my face, but was like, call the midwife. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she's like, so I just need you to feel to see if you feel a head. And there was like, no head. And she's like, okay, good. So the midwife came. And and it was all kind of a blur at this point, but um, she, there was a lot of rushing, like she was rushing and she was like, okay, I need you to get out of the tub because I need to check how dilated you are. So I was like, all right. And it was like hard to get out of the tub, but I got out of the tub and she checked me and she's like, okay, you're 10 centimeters. And so and it was happening like in the tub and I, I didn't know, right? Like we just didn't know how far along I was. And then she was, con- she checked the heart rate and she was concerned that the heart rate was like a bit high for the baby. And that's a whole other thing. My doula was saying after that, like, it's common for babies' heart rates to increase when they're going through the birth canal, but whatever the case may be, she felt that the, tu- the water in the tub was too warm. And so she wanted me out to like, I guess, help lower the heart rate or something. So then, so then I was on the floor of our living room, which was like kind of unexpected because I thought I would give birth in the tub, (laughs) but they just had me then they're like, you can go on your hands and knees. So I was like, okay. I'm like, I remember reading, this is a good birth position. So I will. And then that, and then really not long after I was like, they're like, okay, start pushing. So then I was pushing and I remember thinking like, Oh, this is, yeah, like this is tough. Like it's tiring. And I'm like, no wonder they say that it's, you know, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna keep going. Like, mm, whoo, like use that core strength. Like it was, it was tough. And then at one point I remember thinking, like, oh my God, like, can it actually fit? Like, can it actually come out? <laughs> Cause it's like, all right, I guess it's gonna stretch even more. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, just I felt this like they were like, oh, reach down. You can feel the head. And I'm like, nope, nope, I don't want to. I'm like, just let me focus. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I felt this like pop and it was like, oh, that's the head. So the head was out and wow. then they were like, okay, just one more push. And then it was just kind of like, Bloop, and then the, the baby just popped out mm. and I was like, oh my God. Okay. Okay. And then they like put the baby kind of underneath me on the floor and I'm like, "All right." wow, there you are. (laughs) I didn't expect you to look like this. (laughs) And then they just kind of rolled me over and I was lying there and I remember feeling like, like, like intense, like that was like the ring of fire. It was just like burning. And I was like, Oh, this will be good when this goes away. (laughs) And yeah. And then it was just kind of a whirlwind of, you know, baby on skin to skin and, and birthing the placenta. And then yeah. And then it was just all like woo, 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 pretty quick, but it was so nice that like, um, and my doula had, like, I know, like we had the lights low and she had music going, and then I could just go on the couch. And you know, I, so I was like on the couch and yeah, it was just like, Oh my God, like this just happened. And now we have a baby and here we are. So, wow. so it was like, it was fast, um, and intense, like, I remember, like I, do, I do remember lying down on the ground after and looking at my husband and I said, one star review, we're not recommend, <laughs> <laughs> like immediately after. But then when I look back on it now, I was like, yeah, that's the way I would have gone with it. And I'm glad that I did it that way. And I always had wanted to know what it felt like. Like that was another reason I didn't want to go to the hospital. Yeah. I didn't want I didn't want medication because I was like, I just wanted to know what it would feel like. I don't know.
0: And now I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so had that experience. Well, and this is something that our bodies are designed to do. Like we are, you know, you said at the beginning, in the medical world, bless them, cause the like, the medical world, like they're. There's so much amazing stuff that they can do for us when there are complications. But yes, right.
1: They're there for you. They're there for you when you need them. And yeah. yeah. And you're, you're so one thing that was really helpful that I wanted to say, I'm just thinking about it, remembering it now. I had read prior to this um Ina May's guide to childbirth.
0: Uh-huh. Such and good, she so
1: yeah, she the one thing that she talked a lot about and was really reinforced in it was the importance of relaxation and having like a safe relaxing environment because um that helps to just relax obviously like the the vaginal opening and like the cervix and everything and one technique she gave was she's like if your jaw yep. can be relaxed then your cervix is relaxed. And they're like, they called it like horse lips or like basically blowing raspberries. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because they said, if you do that, all of your sphincters relax. Yeah. So it even means like your anal sphincter. So I remember prior to giving birth a couple of days before I would practice it while like going to the bathroom to see if it made a difference. And it did. And so when I was in active labor, Every time in between those contractions, I was just blowing hard, like just the whole time. And it helped. I found it soothing. It gave me something to focus on, but I really think that also might've made a difference. And, and and I, I had a very minor tear, like I did not need stitches, which I was surprised again, first time birth. So I really feel like that little technique also helped and just feeling like I was in, a safe environment and having my doula, my doula. I it's like my husband, I did not want him with me. I was just holding the hands of my doula and staring into her eyes and it was like she was like my coach, you know, and I just mm. I just needed her. I needed this like calm presence of somebody who knew who I know had been like there for so many births. I could trust her and she also just knew that like um, if there was an emergency as well, like I could trust her to know that if this is normal or is there something that needs to be addressed? So all
0: of that was really helpful. I found the yeah. necessary, like in the birth too. Which is, and I, I'm so glad that you share that, you know, because birth is a normal physiological experience that, any, you know, we all experience it as the baby being born, right? And, and we need to recognize that this is the most common and most life-changing, beautiful process that that happens in the world. And if we can be relaxed about it and we have no complications, then it, it shouldn't have to be this theatrical fear fest, like what we see on TV, right? And I know that that, that particular tip from, you know, relax your mouth means relaxed, you know, all your sphincters is is such an important one, right? Because if you're doing that and you're and you're soft and you're breathing, I mean, the body is doing most of the work, anyways, right? With those contractions. Oh yeah. That is the uterus pushing the baby out, and if we can really soften through a lot of those, then it can not only make the process easier for us, it can keep us more relaxed and avoid unnecessary trauma for postpartum. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, and that's it. Like my body was doing the work. Like when I was in the tub, and I remember just feeling like I had no choice. It was like it was pushing. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of had to like go along with it. And my job was just to try to stay focused and like knowing again that I had that support and and were, and then also I was very vocal too, like. I couldn't help myself. And that was the other thing too. I had messaged all my neighbors being like, so really sorry if you heard some noises and like, and shockingly, nobody heard anything. Oh
0: wow. They were like,
1: really? You had the baby? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, and also just allowing myself to, you know, vocalize was important, yeah. was important too. Like even to just kind of letting go of any fear of feeling a little embarrassed about it, you know, because but it was so important. Again, like no choice. Like I just, I didn't feel like I had a choice in that. It was just happening.
0: Primal animal self, right? Like that that primal yeah. part of us comes out, I think, in in childbirth. I remember Levi saying after I had my daughter, you know, like, I've never heard those kind of sounds come out of you before. <laughs> you know?
1: Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like there's no
0: primal scream. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just yelling, like it was like yelling at some points, you know. Yeah. It was just, it's just you had, yeah, and it was interesting because I remember talking to some other moms prior to like wanting to know what their birth experiences. And the one I spoke to just kind of kept saying it was intense. And it's true, it's like for me, I wouldn't have called it pain you know, like, I can't say that it was pain, although it was uncomfortable. (laughs) It was quote unquote pain, but not pain as if like, I hurt myself, but like, it was just really intense, Mm -hmm. but it's good to know, like, I could do it. Like, I feel it's like, oh, I could do it again. If I, if I had to, or wanted to, I could. And for me, it was like, stay relaxed, you know as best you can like stay focused have your support that you can like hiring that doula was like the best money i ever spent <laughs> like and finding somebody i was aligned with like it yeah. just it made all the difference yeah in the world for me
0: yeah and thank you for sharing that because i you know i've been i've got a lot of doulas and birth experts that i've been interviewing for this for the podcast and and i think that's so important you know not only seeking out that kind of support is, you know, so, so helpful to people. Like I didn't have any of that kind of support with my first birth. I didn't prepare the way that I should now looking back. I'm like, I know if I'd had my, had, had my doula with me, it would have avoided, I think a lot of the unnecessary interventions Mm. and things that had to happen.
1: And a point I wanted to say about that with the doula, that was also really important. Important for me was I wanted an advocate, because I had my birth plan. I mean, of course everybody, you know, and a lot of people are like, okay, but just know that things can go awry. I felt like for me, I just felt like it's going to be okay. Like I just had a sense of kind of knowing, but I also knew I wanted somebody who was also very knowledgeable about when there's an issue to know is this like if for some reason i had to go to the hospital or even with the midwives like is this intervention actually necessary or can you know is are they just doing it because this is what they're used to doing yeah. and so that was another important reason because i knew that i likely wouldn't be able to advocate for myself in the moment and i needed somebody who knew what i wanted and had the knowledge and would be able to 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 stand up to somebody if I needed it so that was also another reason that I that I found it important to have the doula
0: beautiful and so let's before we wrap up how has postpartum how has recovery been for you I know that you're five months out there's still lots yeah lots going on for you but in the initial you know weeks how was that for you
1: I was shocked at like, I just had no idea how the whole body just like, it just felt like I got hit by a truck. (laughs) Like I just, I had no idea. It was like, I, I figured I would experience pain below, but I didn't know the whole body would feel so impacted. But when I look at it now, it's like, yeah, when I was going through labor, like my whole body was involved, like all the muscles, like everything was so intense. It's like the midwife said, it's like, yeah, it's like you just ran a marathon that you didn't train for. you know. So um, walking was difficult, like how slow I had to move was surprising. Um, I was, you know, it was, it was obviously very tiring. Now we, Long not to get into all of this, we did end up having to go to the hospital for 24 hours after because she didn't poop. Uh-huh. <laughs> she didn't pass her meconium on time. So they thought, you know, we had to go to the hospital to do all these checks to see if anything was wrong. That was a, so unfortunately, I had my hospital experience, but not in the same way, Right. Uh, she was fine. She was just a little backed up.
0: But anyways, um,
1: so it, so there was a whole other day of not sleeping on top of that. So because I we were in an emergency. And then so three days in a row, I didn't sleep. Coming from somebody who normally needs nine hours a night to feel like a human being. So that was really rough. Um, I found really, it was very tough for me emotionally. Um, Physically, I healed pretty quickly, like I'd say about a week was the most of it. And after I think about a week, I maybe didn't need to use like my peri bottle anymore. When I was going to the bathroom, Um, I started to feel better physically. Emotionally, it was really difficult because I wasn't getting the sleep. I don't think I understood the impact of hormones. I was like crying like three times a day. Uh think, you know, the, the feeding, the, the breastfeeding was challenging. Like I had no idea how my nipples were going to be so sore mm-hmm. and trying to get proper latching was hard. I had like the doula plus my midwife plus a lactation consultant when I was in the hospital, like helping me with the latch. So it was it was it was harder emotionally um, than I expected mm-hmm. for the first few weeks. It once she started sleeping a bit more, that got a little bit better because then I was able to get some sleep. Um, not to get into so much of postpartum, but one thing I ended up deciding to do eventually after three months, I stopped breastfeeding and went to formula. And that actually was the best thing that I did for myself because mentally I was really struggling. And the breastfeeding was really, I found it very challenging. She wasn't happy either. Like she, she was getting frustrated at the breast. Like it's like, she wasn't getting enough. The first time I pumped and gave her a bottle, she guzzled it. Like I've never seen, I was like, Oh my God, this poor child is like hungry. Yes. So that was like it was very hard, like you know, with all the stigma and stuff attached to formula, but I would never judge anyone for doing it because I just know like it's the best thing I did for myself. so, yeah, um, yeah, and I was able to, after I think about four five weeks out, I could start, you know, doing some light movement again, so I got back into I was just really feeling the need to exercise again. so. I was able to get back to now like some postpartum workouts, which I'm still doing five months later. I'm just doing postpartum workouts mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, to, to start to get some kind of semblance and it's only been the last two weeks since I started meditating again, which was always such a huge thing for me, but it took that long for me to like find the time to be able to sit down for 20 minutes, twice a day that she was napping and whatnot, that I could do it. Um, but yeah, I would say emotionally, it's been harder than it was physically, and so figuring it out as we go along.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the bigger part for most most women that I speak to, right? It's the physical doesn't take as long for a lot of people. Other people, it can be you know years of figuring yes. out pelvic floor issues and and all of that stuff. But by and large, most people that I'm speaking to, it's the emotional, and it takes weeks and months even years sometimes to figure out and navigate how to make that time for our, for ourselves. And I think working out obviously oh, is so important. I'm so
1: sorry to interrupt you. No, There's go one ahead. thing I wanted to say that I was like, this is one thing I want to say that uh, I didn't say in the beginning, but I felt like it was important to know, especially, you know, being like 40 years old, giving birth. I meant to tell, to say that at the beginning of giving birth, We were very lucky, but we got pregnant the first try and there was no issues. Like it was so planned and it happened. And I remember talking to my midwife about it. And I remember saying, I, I just expected there to be problems and challenges because I'm older and all I hear is a lot of stories about losses and IVFs and challenges. And I don't, and I feel bad sharing that because I know so many people who are struggling. And she said, "I just wish that people, more people, would share their positive experiences being older because because they're afraid to say it because so many people are struggling. Mm. It gives the impression." that it's impossible or near impossible, or that it's going to be hard, but that doesn't have to be the case for everyone. And so I wanted to just share that because I felt like people do need to know that it's not a given that it's going to be challenging just because you're, you're older. I was 39, of course, when I got pregnant, but I was very close to
0: turning 40. So I did want to just say that thank you. And that is, I mean, that's why this podcast now exists, right? Is because it doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be this, this idea going into pregnancy. I don't even like to say later in life, because this isn't, I mean, we're 40. It's not like we're on the edge of our deathbed, right? Of course there's timelines to certain extent, but it doesn't have to be difficult. And, and well, even conceiving, if it is difficult, it doesn't mean the pregnancy is going to be difficult. It doesn't mean the birth is going to be difficult. You are Your experience is such an amazing example of an effortless 40-year-old birth. You know, I'm not saying that it was effortless, but compared to what society paints a picture of, right, from conception yes. to birth to postpartum for people of an advanced maternal age or geriatric pregnancy, you know? this is proof, right? This is, this is the evidence that people need to hear about. So I'm so grateful that you came on here today to talk about this. I'm so grateful that you shared that last little, you know, amazing piece of insight for people. And, 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 and I'm so happy for you.
1: I'm just so happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. She's, uh, she's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. she, She came out raring to go.
0: Beautiful from a mama who's pretty awesome and and raring to go and grabs life by the by the reins. I was going to say by the balls. <laughs> well, I said it. I so. thought
1: so. I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, all right, there you
0: go. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, thank you so much, Christina. I'm. It's been so beautiful having you here in the birth, the real birth story series. I can't wait to have you back on to talk about. Another area that you are I mean you're an expert in birth now and now you I mean, you big part of what you do and your mission in life is sharing about body positivity and and just body acceptance and more so and just killing all of these lies about weight and and I think a conversation about all of these as it pertains to being pregnant and giving birth will be an amazing one so we'll have you back on the show very soon to discuss all of that stuff as well yeah.
1: Happy to
0: talk about it. Thanks for having me on.
1: It was, thanks for giving me the
0: opportunity to share my story. You're so welcome. Thank you so, so much, sister. Thanks so much for listening. Please, if you would be so kind, I would be grateful if you could share, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Please follow the show over on Instagram at fertile at 40 podcast and share what you thought about this week's episode. Don't forget to tag us. For more info on today's show, please head on over to the podcast website at meganpearson.ca forward slash podcast. Until next time.